Talking Circle Studio. So big news here on the Terminal Unique Podcast. Oh my God, um, what is it? It's huge. It's huge. Um, well, so after much discussion and and an expansion of a life uh, by one of the co-hosts, uh, Lucas, he or we've decided that that he's going to go in into other pursuits, and he's uh, he's left the role of co-host on the show. Although he's always going to be a friend of the show, and we love him to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I wanted to announce to our audience we have a new co-host who's not all that new to the show. But I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're with us, Diva. I'm not you. I'm old, huh? <laughs> Congratulations! I'm not really on. big news. I'm only four eleven, so it's kind of like tiny news. You're- Welcome to the Terminally Unique Podcast. This is Diva. And Dean. Welcome. Yeah. So, hey, you guys. Welcome for to another week of wonderful podcasts. It's How- incredible. Hey, this week, we're not going to... We're, we're premiering our new host, but... Who's but- that? That would be you. That oh, would be the, no. di- the, du- the double D duo of Diva get, and Dean. I know. I didn't get the memo. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a new we're gonna have new artwork up next week. We're gonna have a new theme song next That's week. That's cool. So uh, stay you have a tuned. busy work to to work I, on I'm that um, you. new music that new, we got going on. I heard it. They're gonna do, they're gonna do. They've done a rele- they've done a full song, but they're they're cleaning it up right now, mm-hmm. and they're gonna release it on Apple Music and Spotify, which is awesome. gonna be hilarious. But um, yeah, hey, how's it going, Diva? Same thing every day. Yeah, just living the dream. Big news this week. Um, I, I did. You know, like there are opportunities, and you know that's that's the thing about me. I um, I keep my mind open to what is mine by divine right, and you know, opportunities happen. But I don't want to be one of those people who like count their chickens before they hatch. So right. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, great things are happening. Um, other than that, just a lot of beautiful fellowship, a lot of um, traveling to LA and uh, other places, and yeah. just working your program. I know, just working my program. Working it. Yeah. That's awesome. How's you? How was your weekend? You know, it's been a great week. Been a great weekend. Uh, me and the beautiful Amanda, I got to take to uh, Newport Beach for the uh, for for Mother's Day weekend. I didn't get Lucky. to. Lucky. I didn't get to spend the dinner with her tonight, but I had I took her and my mom to dinner on Friday, and then Saturday we went and stayed down in Newport Beach and came back, and you know, and she's off to service right away. You know, beautiful she was helping people out, and I, I just love her um all right oh yeah one more thing one One more more thing thing. and i know it is going to be late by the time you guys hear this but happy mother's day to all the mothers out there yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i I love i love you know the whole idea of mother somebody told me about that and they heard a sermon that was like the closest thing actually one of my sponsees uh told me about a sermon he listened to that was talking about how mother's love is the closest thing to god's love and i was like uh i was so kind of like taken back by that and i'm like you know what like it really does kind of like mm-hmm, yeah. that agape love or whatever. Oh, they, yes, you know, yes. It's very yes. like, very similar in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. But yeah, yeah. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Okay. 
Off to the uh, sponsors. You tell me who's the best sponsor we have. Come on, tell <laughs> Dre. me. Dre. That's Who right. Also, Dre oh. Cuts. Uh, hit him up on Instagram at Dre underscore Cuts with a Z in the end. He's at West Covina Barber. And yeah. he also has a podcast here called Dre, Dre Talks. Talks Podcast. That's right. Uh, you can hit him up at Spotify. And you can... Um, Get your hair cut and get a little talk therapy at the same time. So it's a two-for-one hit. Two-for. Yeah, two check for him out. Okay. And then obviously, you know, what what better way is there to get your to get your opinions out there, to get ideas out there, to get a little legitimacy, actually, mm-hmm. and, and to talk about real things when, and having your own podcast. And what better way to have your own podcast than to come into a studio that that's all they do is a podcasting studio. Well, if you if you find this interesting... You want to go and look up Talking Circle Studio here in Monrovia, California. And you want to call Dean. That's right. Dean at 818-823-9595. That's 818-823-9595. Or you can hit me up at talk, the Terminally Unique Podcast at gmail.com and ask away. The questions, uh, they're, they're free. I'm not charging for any answers. <laughs> So. I, feel, I feel like that was one of those late night commercials. Wasn't it? Yeah. Where, I was where, like, call 888-7288. And if you call in the next 30 seconds, <laughs> you're going to get half off your next order, you know, something like that. Yeah. I, like, I just like talking about podcasts. So just call me, you know, yeah. we can just talk. All right. Enough with that. Enough with that. Yeah. Let's, let's go on. Let's move on to this. Uh, let's, I, I've excited. been waiting on this I'm show. Excited. Me too. I've been waiting on this show forever. Um, that, I'm a big fan of this guy. I uh, read his book recently. Um, What's it called? It's called Close Your Eyes So You Can See Me by Father John B. Reed. And um, it's like one of these books that just kind of like touches your heart. You can read like you can read a chapter in, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And like it stays with it stayed with me the whole day. And and every time I I, come across a situation, it would just roll and anyway, yeah, our our uh, our guest today is uh, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host uh, with a show called Viewpoint with Father John. So, without further ado, thank you for joining us, Father John. Thank, thank you. you for having me. It's a real treat to be here and an honor to be here. Yeah, oh, so we're so, so happy. Yeah, you know, Doctor John uh, hooked us up with Father John, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the dividends just keep coming in with that guy. I'm yes. telling you, he's a great. He was a great. Ho- uh, he was a great guest, and he co-hosted once. Mm-hmm. And now he's a great resource for us and bringing big, heavy hitters in, onto the show like yourself. Yes. Is that a fat joke? <laughs> <laughs> you could take it away and what you want it to be. <laughs> oh, man. I hope you're still going to validate my parking. <laughs> oh, no, no. That, they give straight-up tickets here in, in Monrovia. <laughs> so, so, Father John, what, where are you from originally? I'm from uh, Ontario, California, originally. Oh, okay, right okay. You can see how far I got in life. Yeah. You <laughs> what, 30, 40 miles? A couple miles down, just down <laughs> yeah. the freeway. Yeah, I live in Claremont now. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. live in Claremont. Exactly. Okay. Just, the next, just the next town over. That's yeah. cool. So, uh, I don't know, like, what kind of father are you? A good father. Okay, good. I was, <laughs> I, I was worried. I was like, is he one of those shitty stepfathers? No, he's a good one. Okay, good. <laughs> a good no, father. I, I'm Eastern Orthodox. Oh, and, okay. And... Some of the difference between the Eastern Orthodox and the Roman Catholic, and this isn't to throw sand, we were one church until the year 1054, and then we had the great uh, schism, as it's called, the divorce. And one of the main differences, we're allowed to be married. Right. And our altar boys are not as nervous. 
I know we're going to get letters for that. Oh, one. yeah, oh, yeah. I just, <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah, draw See, that I, out. I can't say that on NBC. <laughs> you can say whatever you want here. Yeah, there's, there's no rules here. Yeah. My, my sound engineer always has his finger on the dump button, and I watch his eyes get bigger and bigger. I go right up to the edge, <laughs> and then I stop. <laughs> Is it live when you do your show? Does it oh, yeah, it's oh, live. Oh, it's, man. It's live radio, baby. Oh, jeez. That's kind of nerve wracking. <laughs> Every every mistake is heard. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How long have you been doing the show? A little over four years. Oh, okay, wow. okay. So it's it's about at my mental age level. Four years <laughs> old. Catching up. Uh, let's roll it all the way back. All right. Let's let's go all the way to the beginning. So you said you were born in Ontario, or you were grew up in Ontario, right? And uh, uh, how was how was how was the family life growing up? Um, a war zone. Yeah. Absolute war zone. It was extremely violent. The three rules of survival I learned was don't trust, don't talk, don't feel. Oh, mm. yes. And the reason for that is... Very um, dysfunctional. Very dysfunctional, very violent. Uh, my mom was the alcoholic. My dad left before I was one year of age, and I knew it was my fault. I oh, wow. knew that because if it would have been my brother, he would have left when my brother was born. It was after I was born, he split... And so I knew for some reason I caused that to happen. Right. And my mother didn't want children. And we didn't guess that. She told us that. When I was four and my one brother was, uh, excuse me, when I was five and my other brother was seven, she would drive us out to San Bernardino and Trump, drop us off on freeway on-ramp and say, wait here till someone who wants children comes and get you. Oh, really? Wow. And we'd be out there for hours because we didn't know anybody. Know anybody. And, and my brother, who also turned out to be really whacked, <laughs> would start beating the heck out of me there because he would say, it's your fault that we're here. On the armor ramp? Yeah. Wow. And after a few hours, my mother was sober up enough to realize the police may not look upon this as good <clears throat> parenting skill. Mm-hmm. And so she find where she left us and we get in the car and she scream at us all the way back to Ontario about how we were ruining her life. And mm-hmm. we didn't really know how to say, well, you know, this isn't exactly a day at Disneyland for us either. Yeah. yeah so I hope that answers your question a little bit. So yeah, not 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 ideal, not ideal, not ideal yeah. situation. So I learned to drink, though. I'll tell you, the old Irish tradition: uh, when we'd be put to bed at night, uh, my mom would put a little booze in our bottles to help us sleep at night. Wow! And, and then if we were still a little too rambunctious, she gave us half a Valium. Wow! And so I had somewhat of a tranquil childhood too. I always wow. wish we had fish like so I could sit and watch them. <laughs> oh, jeez, man! Wow. So so you're kind of going through childhood like this. How did? Uh, so when did your drinking, I mean, obviously your drinking started way early, yeah. but I mean, when did you like start choosing to drink? Like when did you, do you remember when you, when you first got drunk on your own volition? Oh yes. I was in the fifth grade mm-hmm. and all my friends were in one of their big brothers, uh, well, one of their houses and their big brother gave us all Budweiser beer. Now I can't tell you what brand of orange juice I broke in on, but I can tell you about that Budweiser beer. Oh yeah. And the reason being... I can remember being kicked back in this beanbag, drinking this beer, and for the first time in my life, I felt equal to everyone around me. Yes. Up to that point, everybody was smarter than I was, better looking than I was, better looking than I was, and they had two parents. I had one. It was my fault. Right. And I took that away. Wow. Well, that's, that's a that's, really young age. That's a huge start. burden yes. to carry around, you know, and it, like that that you've pinpointed out, like what what you were like feeling is pretty pretty remarkable most people don't even know why they're drinking most people can't point out that trauma or 
you know, figure out what that hole in their soul is, so to speak, you know, that they, they right. talk about. But you kind of know right where it was from right from the beginning. Yeah, she she gave us a lot of evidence. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I get it. <laughs> it's funny that you can laugh about it, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean either that or cry, right? Mm-hmm. Too. Which we weren't allowed to do. If oh, you want to cry, I'll give you a reason to cry. Oh, yeah. And if you got in a fight, you'd better win. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. you got beat up twice, one there and once when you got home. And the one home, at home was worse because it was mom doing it. And you can't look tough to the other guys in the neighborhood when mom's beating <laughs> your butt yes. in the front yard, you know? Oh, Did man. you get into a lot of fights when you were younger? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We grew up around uh, the Calaveras gang in Ontario. Okay. And by the time I, I was seven years old, I, I had been beat to, I went unconscious and I stopped breathing. They had to bring the paramedics. And that's Jeez. when um, I wound up starting in martial arts and I studied a Kung Fu, uh, Chinese Kung Fu art. I uh, even taught for a number of years. Wow. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, so you're kind of going through childhood, kind of dealing with these traumas, starting with your, uh, starting with your drinking and stuff at a pretty early age, fifth grade, that was what, 10 years old maybe? Right. And, and so does it just progress from there? Yes. Yes. You know, there's a physician uh, up north, um, Dr. Gill, who describes the disease of alcoholism as a disease of three phases. Mm-hmm. Fun, fun with problems, problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And I started out with a lot of fun. It was great. And I, I got very involved in live theater because while I was on stage, I didn't have to be me. I could be somebody else for a yes. while. And yeah. That felt good. Wearing that mask. And I can have all the booze I wanted for free at cast parties, and he didn't care about the fact I was underage. Wow. And so I found people drank like I did to go to the party with because I knew that they would have booze in the car. Now, a little disclaimer, finding people drank like I did wasn't difficult. You just looked on the floor. That's where we hung out. <laughs> <laughs> just look down. Yeah. Yeah, most people look down on me. <laughs> oh, man. So, so you're drinking. You're kind of involved in this, but you're but you're kind of getting through school. Your 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 grades are okay. I mean, yeah. How was uh, your no. education? Um, I didn't find out until my December between my junior and senior year that I'm dis- I'm dyslexic, oh. and um, I'm sorry that that was my ego falling to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to remark what happened. But... <laughs> it, it's so. Uh, uh, I have been diagnosed mentally retarded. As a child, because they didn't know I was dyslexic. Oh. And they put me in those, those special ed classes, and, and they would, uh, you know, where you get something right, they give you an M&M. Oh, and half the time, they screwed me with a W. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> M&M. So I just had to explain it to the diva. Hello. I got that way before you did. Yeah. <laughs> That's called sweet humor. <laughs> so... So you're kind of like, um, you're kind of getting through school. How about relationships, like girlfriends and, and, and that kind of thing? Are you, are you're you still at age 10. You're going No, no, right I, I'm going a little bit older. I'm kind yeah. of, I mean, you're already acting, right, by the time you're in high school? Right. I, I started acting in junior high. Uh-huh. And um, like I said, I loved it. Um, and wound up getting sober at 14. Okay. Uh, Wait, and, you, what, you what made what? you get to that point? You got sober at 14? You got sober at 14. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was like the tomcat having a love affair with a skunk. I didn't get all I wanted, but all I could stand, you know? Uh. <laughs> Remember, I, I said that we we had the three yeah. phases. And I got into phase two where, you know, I was having the related disorders, a lot of blackouts and stuff. I, mm-hmm. One time I was on stage in a show, 
a rehearsal actually, and I come to and found out that somebody had uh, soiled my pants. Uh, somebody, uh-huh. somebody, oh, else. somebody. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of this this drunk who goes into a bar and he has a couple of drinks and he throws up all over himself, and the bartender says, "Man, you're a mess." He says, "Oh no, you don't understand. My wife is going to be pissed. I she told me I better not do this anymore." And he says, "Here, here's what you do: take ten dollars, put it in your shirt pocket." When you get home, tell your wife, yeah, you were drunk, but there's a guy at the bar who's worse than, than you were who got sick all over you and gave you $10 to get your shirt clean. Oh, oh that's a great idea. So he gets home to his pre-Alanon wife. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, she greets him with, you, you've you been drinking, you're a mess. And he says, oh, yeah, but you don't understand. There was a guy at at the bar who was worse than I was, got sick and, and threw up all over me. He felt so bad he gave me $10 to clean my shirt. So she takes the money out of his pocket. As she's walking away, she looks down and she says, wait a minute, this is a $20 bill. Oh, yeah, he crapped my pants, too. <laughs> so I'm with problems. Yeah. And then I went to problems, and, and that's where I started doing the drinking uh, without a ban. And I know it took me to that spot. Uh-huh. And what took me to that spot was my mom was not only a drunk. She was crazy and mean. And she was a nurse. She gave her hand on medication. And she came home one day and said that my dog had mange and had to be put down. Oh. I had to feed my dog sleeping pills, listen with a stethoscope to his heart stopped, and I had to bury my dog, which is that's my really best friend. Traumatic. And that's where my drinking really changed. And I know we're coming up on a break here. Um, no, we're good. Oh, we're, okay, we're good. Um, so... I'm so used to NBC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't break yeah. here. Just we keep going. We go the whole time. Yeah. I'm looking at your clock over here, and I'm saying I'm I'm past my break time. And, uh, <laughs> don't break. And uh, they have me trained. Uh. But anyhow, that's when I start doing the the drinking. Like I would drink on top of buildings in Upland because Upland's right next to Ontario. Uh-huh. That way, if I fell off, it, he was just drunk. It wasn't suicide. Mm-hmm. I would drink by the railroad tracks in Upland. So if I got hit by a train, well, he was just drunk. It wasn't suicide. Mm-hmm. I owed a life for a life. I didn't trust people. Hmm. But Charlie, my dog, I trust. I had him since I was seven years old. And I killed my best friend. I couldn't make up for that. Yeah. I owed a life for a life. And that's what drove me to the phase three drinking. I couldn't get drunk enough to stop hurting. And um, I about blown out my liver completely. And the way I know that is when I had uh, 90 days sober... I was put into San Antonio Hospital in Upland because I had all this pain. They couldn't figure out where it's coming from. And after three days of testing, the uh, the pediatrician came in <laughs> and said, your liver's almost completely gone. Oh, my God. One more year, you would be dead. Wow. And so it, alcoholism doesn't care about age. No. Yeah, no. And as a priest, I can't tell you how many kids I bury. I do up to 200 funerals a year. Mm-hmm. Wow. And last two years, way too many teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. They're going out quick. So I know that I took the long way of answering your question. There. No, no. Oh, no that's that's, that's, that's really, what this show's all about, right? That was really traumatic. I mean, <sighs> to have your dog from seven and to have to go through that at 14, that's I, I like was, half, I, was, I was 12 when I had when you had to do oh, so, That's so yeah, like yeah, almost yeah. half your life you yeah, spent with that a dog. A 12-year-old boy having to put down his dog like that. It's horrible. <sighs> So, so how so at fourteen? How do you get to that age to where you're like, oh, I, I'm done drinking? Like I said, I, I just I did everything I could, mm-hmm. and I got to where I couldn't get drunk and I couldn't get sober. Mm. Uh, 
and I couldn't live and I couldn't die. For, for two years, my last two years of drinking, I prayed two prayers every night. Prayer number one was, God, don't let me wake up in the morning. Yeah. Because I had nothing to live for. Mm. And the other prayer was, if I do wake up, just let one person love me. Because oh. I knew I was totally alone. This world should be alone. Wow. And my mom had gone in and out of AA for years. And God rest her soul, she only gave a few years of sobriety, and then she'd go back out because she could not believe that there would there could possibly be a power greater than herself. Mm. I don't say that with judgment. I say that with great compassion. But I also had a brother that got sober and stayed sober. In fact, he has uh, four years longer than I do. Same mm. same day, four years apart. God has wow. Wow. And I saw his life get better. So I didn't know if I wanted what they had, but I knew I didn't want what I had. Mm. And I was willing to do anything. And when I first walked into the rooms, I saw hope in people's eyes that I just, I wasn't familiar with. And I wanted it with every fiber of my being. Mm. You know, the one thing that stuck with me about going into rooms, you know, people people did what they said and said what they did, you know mm. what I mean? Or however that goes, what it said with, yeah, they would say something and they would go through with it and, and people would go out of their way to help other people with, without expecting anything. And like seeing that on, on, a, on a, on a regular basis through the program is like, it's really eye opening when, when you don't trust people. Right. You know, so as a kid who had been, you know, like, and, and I, it makes me think, you know, I'm, I'm a, a therapist by trade. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, all I see is like an avoidant an anxious attachment in somebody who has a mother that, you know, the person that's, you're supposed to, it's supposed to care about you the most leaves you on the side of the freeway to go get to go with somebody else and beats you and tells you all these horrible things. You're like you could never trust anybody. If you can't trust that person, how can you ever trust anybody? Yeah. So the fact that you went in and you, and you found people to trust in, in a program, you know, that's that's so great. Um, and it took everything for me to be able to have this for the fact that as soon as I got sober, my mom says, you're old enough to go into a program. You're old enough to be on your own. And she kicked me out. I've been on my own since 14. Wow. Once in a while, I get to stay at her house for a week or two. But uh, for the most part, I lived on the streets and put myself through high school and through college. Wow. Okay. Wow. wow. And so... So, like, during this time, you're 14, getting sober, um, going to meetings. Did, did you get, like, a sponsor right away? Did you? Yeah, I got a great guy who was perfect for me. And uh, Mike was about six foot two, wow. uh, very loud, had done a lot of violent things in his drinking. And being he was only two and a half years sober at the time, we weren't sure he'd given that up yet. Mm hmm and he'd figure out wherever it was I was staying, and he, he would get me on a phone. We didn't have cell phones back then, of course. And it'd be a little bit before five. And he'd say, uh, I'm going to be there in 20 minutes. Get ready. He's going to go teach me to how to paint houses. He's a professional painter okay. uh -huh. while taking me through the big book. Oh, wow. And so he, you know, I say, Mike, I don't feel so good this morning. He'd say, good, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Be ready and hang up. <laughs> and I'd be ready when he got there because I was terrified of this guy. Oh. Like I say, he's big, loud, <laughs> <Yeah>. violent. <laughs> and he had this beautiful Ford Mustang. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And I'd get into this car, and he would be doing speech you should not do on city streets <laughs> while reading to me out of the big book. Wow. Oh, God. He had my complete and undivided attention. Right. And then we'd get to wherever it was we're working. He'd say, now get on your knees. i say, why? he said, because we're going to pray. Oh. I said, Mike, that's okay for you, but... I have two feelings towards God. One, I'm scared to death until I ever resent me, dealt me a bad hand. So Mike taught me to pray to whoever it may concern in case of. 
I'm so glad that in 12-step recovery, you do not have to accept another person's concept of God. As long as it makes sense to you and it's a power greater in yourself, that's good mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things I work as a priest, I work with most people with is, is the spiritual issues where they're so afraid because they have an arrangement with God, not a relationship. And I know that's mm-hmm. for a little bit later, but because of his gentleness in that area, I was able to have a spiritual experience and uh, and it was in that program I found my calling to go into the priesthood. Wow! 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 That's that's really cool. Did, so, was there any religion around you before, like through your family or anything? My mother, in her drunken rage, would take my one brother and I. There's long separation between all the the uh, kids, but she'd take me to a different church every Sunday, then take me home and burn my hands on the stove and. And say, see, there's no God. If there's a God, why can't stop that from happening? In oh. fact, as you can see, you can still see some of the scars, like on my pinky. Yeah. Um, so I had God issues when I got here. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Just a little. Just a oh, little. Man. <laughs> what? So what? What does that look like? Like, are you having like continuous problems? Like after you got sober, you must have had to undo a lot of that damage, you know, for a long time. Yes, and. I am so glad that the literature talks about getting outside help. Yes. Uh, it took a lot. Um, it was because my sponsor got tested. I got tested and found out I was dyslexic. Mm-hmm. In fact, I found out I had an IQ of 170. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, and I'm not even supposed to be able to take an IQ test because of dyslexia. You know, yeah, as a therapist. Yeah. And um, it's the first time I ever heard I wasn't stupid. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I had going for me is I can hear a lecture once and six weeks later recite it word for word. Oh. We used to affectionately call it a phonographic memory. It's yes, not a real yeah. diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that's how I did theater for years. I never read a script. I'd hear a line once. It was memorized. I memorized the entire show. Wow. wow. And going through school, I, I kept a 4.0, and I was having trouble with the books, but I could remember every lecture. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Of course, I had to write I had to write my answers backwards, but being dyslexic. <laughs> yeah. So you you end up going through high school, and how where are you living during these times? Mainly on the streets. Yeah. I I, uh, you know, you get creative. Yeah. Because yeah. the streets are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I acquired I didn't steal. I acquired the master <laughs> key to the auditorium at Chafee High School, and, and the way I did that. We had a substitute teacher in choir. I, you know, choir was an easy A. Yeah, of course. And uh, to use the restroom in the auditorium, you had to use the teacher's key, master yes. key. So I, I got five of my friends to go up one after another, one after another. Until he forgot, he lost track of who had the key. Mm-hmm. I took it home with me that night. Home, took it on the streets with me that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Went to Ontario Ranch Market, who would copy any key for two dollars, even if it says "Do not duplicate." Wow. Yeah. Made a copy. Went back the next day and put the key on the piano under the thing. And, and the poor guy, he's going all over the, all over the um, room looking for us. I said, uh, are you okay? You look really stressed. He says, I can't find the key. I don't know what I do. And so I, I looked around. I said, did you look under here? He says, I must have looked under there a hundred times. I said, well, you're under a lot of stress. Man, you just didn't see it because you're yeah. the stress you're in. And I had a key then. So what I would do, particularly on cold nights, is I let myself into the the auditorium, I'd slide some chairs up by the radiator so I could stay warm, and then i get out of there before anyone got there in the morning. Wow. wow. I'd shower and gym. Nice. That is so... That's so sad, but it's very ingenious, though, you right? You know, it's like one of those things that you can make a movie out of. It's yeah. Like, so 
such yeah, a good I mean, scene. Yeah, are you working on your biography yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm rather working my obituary. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's to die for. But <laughs> oh, a bunch. Oh. Anyway, I know, you know, we should have a, yeah, a little a, snare drum a in here. for that. You know, yeah, just a little button. Just for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's he's going to drum me out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're kind of getting through and, and you get to college. Where'd you go to college? Well, I got my bachelor's from California Christian uh, University. Mm-hmm. And I got my master's and my PhD from International Reform University, which is in Grandin, Missouri. Uh, they taught me it's Missouri. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, it was an Orthodox school, and that's how I got converted to the Orthodox. I, oh. I loved the way this one bishop treated people. He gave them a lot of love, didn't give up on anybody, had a special place in his heart for homeless people, oh. would actually bring him, bring them with him to different places and treat them with such dignity that um, I was hooked. Yeah. Yeah. What year, like... For when you got sober, when did you, like, how many years sober were you that you got your calling to go into priesthood? I was uh, three years sober. Three years sober, okay. And um, a guy that people know as Chuck C., mm-hmm. uh, Chuck Chamberlain, he was my grand sponsor and um, oh. took me under his wing being so young. In fact, he used to 12-step my mom. Wow. Really? Drive all the way from Beverly Hills to Ontario to try 12-step because he wanted so badly to see her get sober. Oh. And uh, so between him and Father Tom Weston, mm-hmm. uh, they introduced me to something where I found my calling. And by the time I was 17, I fall in love with, with uh, what was going to become the priesthood as a man falls in love with a woman. Aww, wow. That's beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, such a, it's such a specific calling that, you know, so few people have. And, and like... It's, I think a lot of men uh, are scared of it because they're like, oh, you know, it, it's that, that's it. You're you're kind of like you're not going to be rich. You're not going <laughs> to like get married. Typically, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, like at least in the in the in, in the Roman in, Catholic, in the Roman Catholic Church, yeah. you know, like it just seems like, oh man, like uh, anything that I kind of might define myself as a man is kind of like put aside. So that so that when you do, when I hear about somebody that has a calling, I'm, I'm really impressed and I'm really like, wow, like that really is a true calling more than more so than pretty much anything that I think I've ever heard of. Well, unfortunately, when I got the calling, they called collect. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually we go to Missouri paid. to go or Missouri, Missouri. To, 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 to school or? Yeah. So, yeah. You, so you when you were in Missouri, God, I'm never going to get that. Missouri. <laughs> well, let's practice that. <laughs> when you were there, did did, um, did, did, you, did you have like scholarship or something like that that you were able to go on? I earned my way the whole way, paid for everything. Um, wow. Thanks be to God. Uh, and part of the schooling I did there, most of it, I was able to do correspondence. It's how we used to do it before we had the computers. Right. And um, that's how I got through it. Um, wow. My my um, uh, last couple of years, I think I shared with you before the show, uh, I was in St. Louis mm-hmm. and uh, did stand-up comedy to help pay for school. Oh, yeah, and, and yeah. It, 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 Gave me enough money. It didn't pay for the whole thing, but it took off a big edge of it. So. That's wow. so cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
I look at my student debt and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how anybody could do it with just paying it off as they went, you know, and having to support themselves at the same time and everything, you know. If I knew it was going to be so expensive, I would have just shoplifted it. We would have caught to Diva. Diva has an extensive... Uh, Extensive resume regarding that. Yeah, you could yeah. have faked up the documents back I, in the I day. I would have, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I know you would have. No problem. Blink of an eye. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, she used to pick up Queen. She's been trying to pick me up since I got here. <laughs> 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 I sure Another have. One, right? So, so you're going through life. You you manage to get these these degrees. And you go, I, I don't know how the the Eastern Orthodox works. Does it just like work like the Roman? Like you just like get assigned to church at some point and you go there? Well, in some cases, yes. In my case, I, I trained to be a medical missionary in my area oh. of psychology. I'm a psychotherapist. Oh, wow. okay. And so my whole thing was I, I worked special programs. Uh, I particularly enjoyed working with the homeless. Uh, of course, they put me in charge of addiction stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, but that's been my main thing. I had a parish right here in, in Arcadia for uh, 14 years, uh, St. Michael's, which is no longer open. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I, I was at St. Michael's Church for 15 years over oh, on First wow. Avenue. Wow. That's cool. That's really close to here. Yeah. Or I mean, it was close to here, I guess. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, that's, that's cool. So you, you, end up, you became a psychotherapist. Right, and so you were working. You were you were working with a lot of homeless folks. Yeah, and and at one time a lot of young people dealing with addiction problems. Right. Did you uh, have like specialized training in addiction? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a. I became a certified alcoholism specialist. Oh, okay. And uh, my brother was the one who started the KDAC program, which is oh, now really? no way. Yeah, what? Bob, Bob Reed. Yeah, he wow. started the first. What? Pro- oh, he started the very first program, which was at Valley College San Bernardino. Wow. wow. And at the time, he didn't even have a degree. He and Dr. Don Rusk put it together. Uh-huh. And it's got, it has gone national. Yes, we um, use KDAC. And my brother's now a PhD, but it's in business administration. So he, oh, <laughs> wow. So That's so cool. So along the, along the years, like, I mean, what are, what are some of the things that, like, some of the things that, you, that you've kind of, um, I don't know, like, do you have special things that, that stick out in your memory uh, you know, treating all these all these clients that, that you've seen and like all the, you know, do you have some big successes that you, you can could like? Well, God has the successes. I, I just happen to get to sit there while it happens. Yeah. And um, in California, I, I, I had uh, the same training to become a clinical psychologist. I went through what's called the religious psychology program. And that's an actual mm-hmm. uh, certification. Uh-huh. And in California... I can practice all forms of psychotherapy under my ordination. I don't have to get the state license. Wow. It's under wow. Business and Professions Code 9808. Not that I ever had to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I did that, uh-huh. in all the years I was in full-time private practice, no one was turned away because they didn't have money. If I had a state license, as you know, with your licensure, you can't barter with people. Right, so right. I could. And so what I would do is if someone had no money, I'd say, well, you can run the vacuum cleaner, can't you? Mm. You know, so, you know, vacuum place, I'll take care of your month of, of, of therapy, four sessions. Wow. Right. Uh, or I, I would say, do you have a homeless program around your area? They say, yes. I say, volunteer an hour for every hour therapy. Okay. And wow. nobody ever got turned away because they didn't have money. money. Oh, and wow. That's amazing. Uh, and there were some neat stories. I, I um, 
I was leading a retreat at El Carmelo about 10 years ago. And a lady had heard I was going to be there, and she came because she'd been one of my patients uh, years before that. Mm. And she said, I, I wanted to come see you because I want to tell you you saved my life. Uh, she says, I was at the end of my rope, and nobody would help me. And Rancho Lindo Hospital gave me your name and your phone number. And I was driving from Victorville to your office, but you only charged me $10 a month because of how far I was driving. And that gave me hope. And now my, I have the best life I've ever had. And I just wanted you to know how it turned out. And I bought like a baby. You know, yeah. we, we Irish, we bought the grand Aww. opening of a store, you know. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so those are the things that stick out. When, when someone tells me that um, they felt heard, yeah, that means everything to me. Yeah. I, you know, I also work with homeless people. I work at a, a nonprofit in, in L.A. We, we work to house them. So I work as a case manager and I also work I also work as a therapist with them. And so um, I've been doing that for like the last three years. And and before that, I was working addiction for for many years. I'm, I, I'm still working addiction, just untreated addiction right now. But um, <laughs> a lot of it is at least. But um, yours are theirs. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like I'm working on mine. I'm working not to not, not, not to go back into it. I can tell you. That. But, um, but no, yeah. I mean, it's 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 such satisfying work for me when I see when I see the gains. Even if it's a little gain, if I can see like somebody's head change just a little bit, and that gives me hope almost, you know, and it keeps me going. Because sometimes, you know, you kind of you kind of work with people and and you don't see that change, and you just see them kind of going back and doing these same things over and over again. And I, you know, it's hard to see, but. But then one day you come in and they say something that is something like you guys were talking about on the same track. And you're like, well, wait a minute. My ears perk up. I get excited, you know. And It's true. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And in the last three years, I've seen people come come from a really, really bad spot to a much, much better spot. And, and you know, like, I, 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 in, and, I, and I take everything with a grain of salt, you know, because, like, you know, like, I, I think that some people want all uh, everything to change for people yeah. you know and you know if you have a a, a, a client who's maybe severely di- diagnosed uh, severe schizophrenia or something like that or have mm-hmm. schizophrenic symptoms psychotic symptoms you know even if they are like they're being more hygienic they're 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 paying their rent most of the time you know they're doing these things it's like it's like well this is a fucking improvement man yeah, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. like three years ago he was talking in word salad and he was he could not pay his rent and i had to beg my boss to pay his rent another month and you know it was it was always like a, a juggling act so seeing them go in the right direction even if it's not perfect it really keeps me going too and, and i and like i get I get emotional when I think about it sometimes too. So like talking about crying, I, I was I was sharing at a meeting the other day just from seeing some of the people in the meeting over the last year and the improvements and the gains and you know how God works in people's lives. That is and, so and, true. And I just get I get choked up, man. I, I love it. I yeah. was getting choked up yesterday. Oh. So uh, I, me and the girls, we make it a point to go to a Molly Malone um, Saturday meeting mm-hmm. every month, right? And yeah. last month we went and we. We met someone who had one day, we were talking to her outside and we were just like, you know, the same thing, like, you know, just keep coming back, just stay. Well, yesterday we went back 
to the Molly Malone, and she took her 30 days. And, oh, you know, yeah. the total wow. transformation you see in someone, <laughs> yeah. you get all excited over oh, it. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful thing. I know. Even to, uh, today I was at a meeting with the, with you. Of course. And and, <laughs> and, uh, and someone, this newcomer, you could tell he was in his first few weeks, and he read he read that line. And, uh, Vision oh. for you. Uh, yeah, and a vision yes. for you. And, yeah. he, and he said, and he kind of he kind of stumbled and tr- trudged trudged the road of happy destiny. And you could see that he didn't even really understand what he was reading, you know. And like, and I'm just I have like this hope in me that's like, oh man, in 30 days, and 60 days, and 90 days, you're gonna come to that reading that and go trudge the road of happy and know what that means and yeah. like come across people's paths over the years or over the months and. You know, some people stumble, but they come back and, and, you know, at some point in time, you really feel those words, yeah. you know. So, like, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah, and totally. I, I love that. And, you know, crying over stuff like that, uh, that's just, it's, that's so human, man. We, we, get to, we get to experience that human feeling of we get, overwhelming. We get to plant seeds. Yes. Yeah. And it's not our business when the seed sprouts. Right. Yeah. Our job is simply to be there to plant the seed. Mm-hmm. And whenever possible to maybe water it a little bit Mm -hmm. um but when it takes fruition wow yeah Yeah. no i i you know i had a friend bruce brown but god rest his soul who used to say to people if you think birthdays are hokey get one oh yes (laughs) yes i hear that all the time that's that's that is great um i understand you just celebrated a birthday too right yeah, 43 years. 43 years. And all day. So oh, 43 man. years. Tell me, like, how, do you still go to meetings? How's your program? Like, I know you go to meetings, but, like, how many times a week? How does that work out? It all depends on how many funerals, funerals I wind up doing. Because um, even though I'm medically retired right now, I'm terminally mm-hmm. ill. Um, I uh, go to as many as I can. One I try to never miss, but sometimes I have to, is... My Tuesday morning 11-step meeting out in Claremont. Okay. And you have people from 30 days all the way up to 56 years. Wow. Oh, I love that. And everybody's on the same level. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all about love. It's not one upsmanship. Uh, it's the kind of program I came in with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're glad you're here. Stay. Now, that wasn't always my experience when I got here, being 14. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally had to fight for my seat in some meetings. I, I, I would have people. I had one old guy said, "You can't be much of an alcoholic. You're so young." I said, "You must have not been much of an alcoholic. You lasted so long." Oh, <laughs> what a comeback! Yeah, that was a good comeback. Yeah, I'm telling right. you. <laughs> what, what, one, old, one old fart, excuse the expression, said to me, "I spilt more on my tie than you ever drank." I said, "If you weren't so damn sloppy, you might have gotten here sooner too." <laughs> <laughs> So my mouth has always got me in trouble. Yeah. It's, it's, that's why we Irish have to know how to fight because yeah. it's my yeah. hell, right? That's true. I know. I can only I know. imagine. I got so many fights when I was a kid. So uh, you see, you're you're kind of like, um, oh, what was it? Where's it going with this here? You you've been sober since. What's your what's your actual the date that you that you got sober? March March tenth, nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Right. So we, this is you're only the second guy that is uh, that's been on the show out of almost seventy people. It's in the seventies. As Louis, Louis's the other one. Louis, yes. Yeah, so so you're one of the one of the old timers. You can't say it without saying Louis, Louis. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I know, me too. Mm-hmm. So, so you've been in your mind what, all night. What, I will. what happened? At you? So you're married. Yes. 
To, to be sides to God. You're married to a human, another human. Yes. A okay, human. great. That's good. Which she's almost like God. <laughs> oh, that's great. I want to I, I want to hear about that. How did that happen? Yeah, how's your family life? Yeah, what did happen to you? Where like where did that come along? Well, well, when I gave up boys, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. This is an honest program. Priest it, joke. <laughs> it, it worked out well before the operation. She's my altar boy, but it worked out okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, me. man. You're you're not going to believe where she and I met. It's a true story now. Um, I I lost a 20-year marriage. Okay. Because um, I've always been a rescuer. Mm-hmm. And when you're a rescuer, there's never uh, room for love. Okay. Because you're always busy trying to rescue. And I've never known what it's like to have a partner in a relationship. And I always wound mm-hmm. up with people, and I'm not being critical, but I always wound up with people who are emotionally unavailable because that's all I knew mm-hmm. and um, that's a throwback to your childhood to your mother relationship yes. with your mother right yeah and I had gone 11 years celibate in the relationship in the marriage uh, and it was my son uh, who I love dearly I just did his wedding last October wow. oh that's awesome um, who informed me that uh, I was the only one not having privileges in the bedroom oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, uh, oh my gosh and so um, I almost lost my priesthood because I went through divorce. Uh, there was a loophole, and I'm not going to get into all that because too much church politics. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But there was a group that had me going to karaoke uh, over <laughs> Pacific Palms. Okay. And just a little digression, I did finally meet my dad um, 30, 32 years ago. Oh, okay. And it turned out he was the rhythm guitar player for Tex Ritter and Marty Robbins. Those were Whoa. two. Te- Tex Ritter was John Ritter's dad. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, that's great. John Ritter. You guys don't know who John no, Ritter. I know who John Ritter. Oh, okay. And, sure. and so, um, three's, three's company. Three's company, four is an orgy. Right. I got you. <laughs> oh, so, so anyhow, uh, I, I would go there and, and you know, I used to tell him I don't sing, I don't sing, I don't sing. And then finally I got up and sang, and all these ladies are taking me. were all mad at me. I thought you didn't sing. I said, I don't sing anymore. I used to be with a couple of country western bands. Oh. <laughs> Back one year, I was nominated Newcomer Male Vocalist of the Year by the CCMA. Wow. I didn't win it, but it was nice to be nominated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's Christmas time, and Gabby's uh, company, and that was good, bumped the mic. Who's um, Gabby? Okay. Gabby's my wife. There you go. Um, her company was having their uh, Christmas party in okay. the same hotel. And she was staying overnight there because she lived in South Central at the time. Mm-hmm. And she she's not an alcoholic, so she drinks once in a while. And she's very responsible. She says, I know I'm going to have a couple of drinks. I'm going to stay at the hotel. I don't drive. Mm-hmm. And so after the party, she decided to come check out the karaoke. Well, when she walked in, I was singing. Oh. And she liked the song, liked the way I did it. And so she started talking to me, and I, and I told her, "Look, I'm in the middle of an awful divorce. I, I'm I'm not I'm not user friendly right now. <laughs> oh, <wow>. User friendly." <laughs> and um, and our well, she came back the next week looking for me. And I I was up at the Pentagon because I was in charge of all the military chaplains uh, for the army at that time mm-hmm. uh, for the diocese. Wow. And so she came back a couple times, and she said, "The last time, if he's not there this time, I'm not coming back. I was there the last time." Okay. And she's not just my wife, she's my best friend. And if I, I, I know I'm going on and long about this, but there's a very important point I want to make. In the 20 year marriage, I could never cry. I cried once, and she laughed at me. 
Wow. Um, I was watching a movie that was very tender. I never cried again. Oh. With Gabby, you know, I, I share with you that I just dealt with a, a 16-year-old that committed suicide. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sorry, it's still tough. No, no. no and I had done this for a 15-year-old when Gabby and I were first together that I buried this 15-year-old mm-hmm. who could have been my twin. Mm. And she held me while I cried. And she cried with me. And for the first time in my life, I was safe in a relationship. Yeah. And so I finally, it took me 30 years of sobriety to know how to be in a love relationship. Yeah. yeah. Some people get there earlier. Yeah. I, I, I had a lot, of, a lot of brokenness and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 had, I had the same experience. I was married for 20 years. I got sober seven years into my sobriety, uh, like I, almost seven years into my sobriety. I ended up going through a divorce. And, uh, and yeah, I just never felt safe. I never felt safe with her. And I, I kind of felt, I mean, you know, and it's nothing, that's just kind of the way she, she was. That's her personality, you know. And uh, I, I don't blame her for it or anything, but it's just that I wasn't, I, w- I never felt safe, so I was never. There was always this this wall between us, and it just kind of grew and grew when I, as I, as I got into sobriety because I didn't need I didn't need her. I think that I, for the longest time I, I counted on her to 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 fill in uh, all the adult things that I couldn't do, mm-hmm. and and then but she wasn't emotionally available for me, and I wasn't emotionally available for her for that matter. So mm-hmm. well, you know, coming out of it, I, I kind of saw that for what it was, and having the next couple relationships kind of like opened my eyes up to like. Wow, this is what love can be. You know? Divorce is not always a bad sign. Sometimes it means that we finally got healthy enough to know that this isn't a safe place for yeah. us. And it sounds like you got healthy enough to say, you know, this isn't going to work. And yeah. so your sobriety had taken hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And, and like, I think, like, because I thought, wow, how how did, how was I like doing that for seven years being sober? But I think it was I was inching my way forward, you know what I mean? Until I got healthy enough, like you said. So that so that's cool. So you found you found somebody through karaoke, which is my form yeah. of love. Mm-hmm. That, I'm pretty sure that's a love language is karaoke. Yes, yes right? definitely. I am Filipino. <laughs> that is our language. Yeah. That and is. next time we have karaoke, you are definitely going to be there for yeah. for Doctor Smith's karaoke. Yeah, mm-hmm. his retirement party. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, so you're so you think you get married? How long have you guys been married now? We've been together ten years. Ten years. Yeah, okay. And how many kids do you have, by the way? I have four. Four. Wow, wow okay. you're busy. Um, <laughs> or you were slow for an Irish guy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, there were so many games played that those uh, first three wound up going out of state where I couldn't even see them. Where and you know I always cha- paid my child support. I never. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the relationship had been broken, and yeah. so Jonathan, my youngest, is one I've had the strong relationship. In fact, when uh, his mom and I broke up, uh, he chose to stay with me. Oh, okay. he's old oh. enough to make that choice, and we just we're super close. And I'm so proud of him. He's a, he's a professional mechanic, and oh, wow. oh nice. Uh, just how I, how old is he now? Thirty one. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. My eldest is thirty, so we got uh, you. That's that's your youngest. That's my youngest. Okay, yeah. So we got, yeah. It's it's really cool. My 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 thirty year old. He's he's just had my first grandchild January first this year, 
and uh, he's so responsible. He's married and he's doing good. And you know, he went. He saw me at my worst, and uh, and and his mom at his at her worst too. So to be to be where he's at, I'm just like I'm so freaking proud of that dude. He's just Aww. so great. So oh, yeah, I know I know what you mean. Um, my youngest kind of still holding the divorce against me, but uh, it, it is what it is, you know. And and like, um, I'll just keep reaching out, and just keep trying. That's all you can do, right? That's all yeah. you can do. Are you, do you have any kids? Yeah, I have a fourteen-year-old and a ten-year-old. How cool is that? Yeah, I'm also divorced. We I was married for seven years. I'm trying wow. to cut you guys off. You know, I didn't want to do the whole 20 years and then like <laughs> late, later on, you know, I'm trying to get cool faster. So yeah. I, I, I've been married a long time. I got cut off a long time ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they say you're not cool unless oh. you've gotten divorced once at least, yeah, you know. So right. I was trying we're to get the to cool, the cool club the cool early. See, see now, now, you see my luck with women. She cut me off before I even had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Pattern of oh, your life, man. huh? That's right. That's oh my right. Gosh. She says, "What's the matter? You, you got you got weak wrists or something?" <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Uh, well, how did you end up? How did you end up getting this? This uh, the radio show? Yeah. It was completely not on my radar to do that. Really? Uh, I got talked into it, and. Originally, I think I shared with you earlier, I had someone else ask me to co-host with them, you know, because I had co-hosted a couple times as a favor to the station manager where, like one time he was talking about addiction, asked if I would come in and co-host. And, you know, they liked the way that, you know, we fire back like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, And banter. so um, even the sound engineer came out and said, man, this guy's got to have a show. He's really funny. And I kept saying, no, 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 I'm boring. Mm. I really don't <laughs> want to have a show. And so this other guy... Uh, uh, had said to me, he had a podcast and he had me on a few times. He said, you know, uh, I know KCAA has been chasing you around for a while for a, a, to have you do a radio show. I said, yeah, I'm not interested. I'm really a boring guy once you get to know me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, we work well together. Why why don't we do this together? I said, yeah, well, we're going to call it the Gospel of Luke and John because his name was Luke. Oh. And, and uh, he said, yeah, that's it. So he flew it uh, to KCAA. They liked the idea. We made it a season. And then we just kind of went our separate ways, and and the radio station got a hold of me and said, "We loved you, and want you to stay on." And I figured that would last about a season, mm-hmm. and it's now been four years. And there wow. you go. Got to interview a lot of really neat people. Uh, in fact, I, I had a request to be for someone who wanted me to interview them. Uh, I don't know if you remember Dr. Bernie Siegel. But he wrote a lot of books. He was the first. He was before Deepak Chopra when he talked okay, about yeah, spirit, yeah, medicine, yeah. spirituality. Right, right. And the the problem is he's out in New York, and and we we go live even though it it's everything's taped and yeah. goes on YouTube. Uh, so uh, I really don't have the physical ability to go to the station that often to pre-record the program. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, because I, I, I barely drive anymore. My body just doesn't do it. Yeah. So, um, but I was honored. He wanted to be on a show, and I, I, yeah. I just had a great time. Some some weeks I do a monologue, and, uh, and this week I'm actually going to have my brother on the show. Wow. Really? Which is a kick. He's going to talk about the work he does globally, uh, giving women in the in the uh, most in the poorest of countries mm-hmm. an opportunity. To become entrepreneurs, and they school them, they 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 uh, get them set up to have their own business. Oh, they sponsor them. Yes, that's beautiful. Wow. And so he's going to come talk a little bit about some of that. Well, it sounds like he got involved with the church or something, or is that just like his own endeavor? No, it's just an uh, NPO. 
Oh, wow. NGO, excuse me, NGO. Oh, it's like NPO, but not by mouth. I already told you I'm dyslexic. You know, you're lucky I found the address. No. He's like, I'm here at your house. I'm like, no, that's not my house. He's all down the street outside. Oh, it's after 20 minutes. My GPS said, Make a U-turn. I'd make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. Mm-hmm. I kept going in circles. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about, um, you know, you wrote this book, Close Your Eyes So You Can See Me. Um, tell us about this book. Well, at first, it, it came out in Braille. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say in Aramaic or what? <laughs> I speak Aramaic. You could have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shlama Mick. Wow. <laughs> Peace be unto you. Uh, what do you want to know about the book? Well, yeah, why did you write it? You know, what what motivated you into writing this really easy, actually, read? So well, tell honored. us about it. It's kind of funny. I didn't know I was writing a book at the time. I was just jogging note, jotting down notes after meditations that mm. were coming to mind. And at one point, I realized, this is going to be a book. Mm. So I sent it into a publisher, not expecting anything. And in a couple weeks, they sent me back a contract, which really shocked me. Wow. That's and so, cool. so um, in 2008, uh, it actually was published for the first time. And uh, Dave and I were talking earlier today. It's yeah. been published three times now. One oh. one by Vantage, one by uh, St. Paul's Press, uh-huh. uh, Suda Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And then this one's now through Amazon. So to have it up here again, uh, because there was so much demand for it to yeah. stay on, on the market, which blows me away that it's still a rather popular book. I had a guy... For a while on Amazon, I chased them down. There's two people, actually, who were selling autograph copies of my book, used books, for $2,500 and, wow. and $3,000. Okay, I need you to autograph my book then. Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> so I asked them to send me a photograph of the of the signature because I only use one kind of pen okay. Oh, okay. for it. And so I always so know. And if it's a different... We're bringing this to the forensic right, files. Right. Yeah, and so I... I I got a hold of them. I said, you know what? You're ripping off my readers and it's not mm-hmm. okay. Uh-huh. And did I don't he, want, Did he have a lot of buyers? I I think he'd sold a couple. Wow. And so I said, you know, um, I hope I don't have to get the attorney general involved mm-hmm. for, for mail fraud, wire fraud. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And so it... It, they came off Amazon. <laughs> Real quick. Oh, okay. I bet. I bet it did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so it's a $10 uh, book. What the heck? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, I mean, the thing with that book is that I, I know that people 50 years ago could be reading it and, and 50 years into the future could be reading it because the the, the ideas are so universal mm-hmm, with the way yeah. you talk about love, the way you talk about um, it kind of reminded me of that thing, that thing that they were talking about, how mother's love is, is sort of like God's love, you know, um, and it's the closest thing on earth that you can get to, like God's love is like mm-hmm. a mother's love. I mean, not you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Most people. <laughs> mother's Day is probably different for you, but, but, but for other people. And, and, uh, and I just thought, I thought, you know, reading that, I'm like, oh, you know what? The, the way he s- describes love in this book is so, it's so right on, man. It's so like non, it's not about judgments. It's not about like conditions. It's not about all the things that, you know, we, un- we tend to make it about, you know, in, in mm-hmm. our world. And, and I was just, I just appreciated it so much. And I was like, 
I was like, uh, and and reading it there validates validates what what I, I I've come to believe about mm-hmm. that stuff, yes, and that's and true. I love that, and because I even and and it's so it's so intertwined with the steps, and and yeah. and I mean, the in your first chapter is yeah. already you know, faith without works is dead, and I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, how much more? Yeah, I mean, it's just very connected to, yeah. to AA and the program, and I I, I love it, and I, that's definitely one that I, you can I can go over a bunch of times. So if if my readers are out there. They want to read a book that they can just read over and over again and get something out of every time. That, that That's going to be it right there. I had a neat experience with that some years ago. Uh, in Covina, there was a church religious science. It's now Center for Spiritual De- um, Development or something. I, I, forgive me. I, I, I'm dealing with some dementia, so it's hard for me to recall some of that. But when they found out I was local... Their mm-hmm. book club decided they wanted to use that book. And yeah. so they asked if I would come sit in so they can ask me questions each oh, week. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, that was fun. I was oh, going to say, that would be, so like be so much fun. Have fun. a book yeah. club and have the author there, and you can yeah. ask him whatever you want. That's so great. But I think the most important line in that entire book is a line I got from Chuck C. And uh, he said, love is a divine paradox. Yes. When you go out to get, you come back empty. We go oh. out to give, you come back yeah, over. Like I, I might have highlighted two. that actually in, in the book. <laughs> no, I just read that. So my favorite chapter, the one on love. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, wow. Yeah, and going and, and you know, and loving every loving everything, having that ability to love everything is is so important. And and, and like I think that I need to like in, I, I try to incorporate that idea in the stuff that I do, you know, in, in the work that I that I do with people because um, you know, having these expectations of, well, when I get this, I'm going to do that. And, you know, like all these kind of conditional things, it just, it takes away from it. And it, and it reminds me of who I was in a different part of my life before I got to where I'm at right now, you know? Well, and you both know as people, uh, who have studied psychology and addiction and stuff, love does not mean agreement. Mm-hmm. Right. Love means I love you as you are. And, Carl Rogers, I, I, I'm an old guy. Uh, Rogerian therapy is what I learned. And the first question I ask myself when I get a client is, can I love this person unconditionally? Yes. Yeah. And if I can't, if there's something I'm picking up I can't, I give them referrals. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but my the main healing thing in the, in the uh, consulting room uh-huh. is them receiving unconditional love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not so much I tell them what to do as I ask them good questions. Mm-hmm. And they come up with the answer because otherwise I'm giving them my answer. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I know I'm preaching to the choir with, with two therapists here. Um, so I hope that's what people pull from this book is that it's all about the love. You don't have to agree with them. Uh, you don't have to co-sign to love. Sometimes our greatest love is not co-signing and loving anyway. Yeah. 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 That that's that's the trick right there. That's a, like having someone come up and I had somebody this weekend came up to me on the beach, this older guy, and you know he talked about like some some political beliefs he had and it and they were contradictory to mine, and so it was hard for me. It was it was it was hard for me not to at first to, to not to to not like contradict him and you know get into a pissing contest with him and and it turned into like I heard what he said. Um, 
I agreed with with the premise of it, like the the premise of that we have a broken society and and this and that. But mm-hmm. the commonalities but, uh, of it. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, like, and I I just I allowed him to have to have his space, you know, and and what whatever whatever it was. And, and I focused in on some of the, he was, he was cleaning stuff up on the beach. He was picking up tar on the beach okay. and putting it in the okay. bag. And, and I was like, wow, that's really good work. You, you know, like I, I, I steered diverted, the conversation yeah. into like, this is what we're doing. This is one of the good things that we're doing. And, you know, like, I know it's not about turning a blind eye, but I mean, he wasn't killing anybody or whatever. It's just a political <laughs> belief. But, you know, the thing with it is, is, is like seeing the good in people and being yes. able to focus in on it. And Carl Rogers is one of the three Carls that, that are my heroes. Carl Rogers, Carl Jung, and Carl Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, three, my three favorite three Carls. Favorite. Well, you know, the last five years, we've dealt with such division. And I've had people that I've known and loved for many years that we, we had stopped speaking because it, it became so toxic. Mm-hmm. And loving doesn't mean continuing to go down that toxic line. Sometimes love is knowing when to back off yeah. and, and when to go a different direction because you know that it's not going to end well. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a society right now, we've become so violent. A lot, yeah. of, help, a lot of that was helped on by the uh, social media. Social media. Mm-hmm. That people I've loved, I see say some of the most hateful things. And so I've had to say, you know, I... I can't continue to read what you're writing because it hurts me deeply. I'm not saying you have to change. I'm saying I'm removing myself from this situation and I still love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Healthy. That is. Yeah. That is. And, and then I, I egg their house. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the toilet paper. Yeah, yeah totally. I think well, I the trees. I, 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 that too. For a while, I couldn't do it. Everyone had already taken all the toilet paper. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. during so the true. pandemic. I, I, was, right. I, was, I was following teenagers in the neighborhood just to pull some off the tree. You, know? <laughs> yeah, you could make some money there. You're yeah. all going outside yeah. with a ladder. Yeah. You're like, I better save this for yeah. next COVID. Jeez, nice guys doing that, I, uh, TPing yeah. my house. I, I, I felt oh. like Beavis and Budhead. I need TP for my bundle. <laughs> I miss that. Making me the great corn Julio. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, I mean, Father John, we're up over oh, we're up over an hour right now. And so we should probably get to some of our spiritual or our, our two questions. We yeah. asked two questions from everyone mm-hmm. uh, that comes on the show. And so I'll ask the first one. You asked yours. Okay. Uh, so the first question, the one I always ask is, so do you do you have a, a moment that you would consider was your spiritual awakening? Um, when you got sober? When I got sober, yes. Um, there's a few times. And there's a difference between a spiritual experience and a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Spiritual experience can be uh, very moving, yes. and they're very important. So I am not downplaying that. A spiritual awakening is a change of life. Mm-hmm. Back to the book, it talks about the this personality change enough to that Sufficient. recovery could take place. And... One of those I had at Manresa uh, Jesuit Retreat House. And I, I w- that was when I was 17 and had discovered my call to the priesthood. And it was an absolute spiritual awakening uh, because everything I knew or f- had opined about God suddenly became void and I became open. Mm. And that was a spiritual awakening for me. Right, right. It wasn't this God that maybe seemed punitive in your childhood or whatever. It's just all of a sudden, like, all the rules just got thrown away, and you're like, oh, I get to 
I get to make this relationship with this God that I, I never knew. Thank God God isn't bound by the rules of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. God is much bigger. And, you know, God um, has a horrible taste in people. I, I'll tell you what. He <laughs> always picks the worst ones. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Well, look at Moses. Moses was a murderer on the run. He's a fugitive. Yes. Yeah. And he's the one who leads <laughs> them out of Egypt. Yeah. Right? yeah. And you look at the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. One's a stockbroker that hadn't worked and never worked again, really. Yeah. Yeah. The other one's a proctologist that shook a lot. (laughs) 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 Which led to a very interesting clientele, I'm sure. But they made a great duo, you know. God does work. Pray he doesn't have a a hangnail that day. Oh, gosh. I hope that answers your question. I think it does. (laughs) We'll give you a little hindsight there. So my question to you, um, 40 plus years of sobriety, all these experiences, what would you tell a newcomer who has less than 30 days? What advice would you give them? Keep it in today. Mm. One thing I learned in 43 years of sobriety is that I can't stay sober. I can't. Mm Mm-hmm. But we can. We can do what I can't do. And and this is a place, if you look at the steps, every one of them says we. Mm -hmm. They don't say you or me. And so we do this together. Uh, That's what I would tell them. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. I, yeah, that was early sobriety. When when I think about some of the people that diverted my mind, they wanted to relapse. It was always somebody in the program that would that would jump in and somehow, whether and God would place them in front of me, and then it would divert my mind and from where it wanted to go into back into the program. So I well, got to say that's very very true. I think as long timers, we used to call call them old timers, but some people got real sensitive about that. They yeah, really did. Yeah. Jeez. I think we need that message more than newcomers do, and I'll tell you why. It's our ego that takes us out oh. when we think when we have to look good. You know, when we're new, we know we can't save our face and our ass at the same time. <laughs> yes. Okay. But when people get 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years sobriety, they think, well, if I go and tell them what I'm going through, they're going to think the program doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And what I share is that, no. What it tells them is I need to program just as much as they do, yeah. maybe more. And so I try to encourage old-timers, share your hurts. Don't live it secret because that's what drives us either to drink or to commit suicide. Mm. We can't start keeping secrets. All right. Right. Absolutely. You didn't ask for that, but <laughs> bonus, oh, yeah, bonus round. <laughs> no, that, 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 actually, that actually makes a lot of sense. And yes. I, I always think about that. And I try to always reflect that when, when I share with, with newcomers. I'm like, you know, I just have strung together a bunch of days, but I have just as much sobriety today as you do, mm-hmm. you know. And, and like I learn from you as, as well as you learn from me. And, and I have fucked up days sometimes that... Don't don't turn out like I want them to, but mm-hmm. uh, but you know I think that my my turnaround time is a little quicker than it was ten years ago. So, well, the, the big advantage of forty three years is for every I start this early on for every year of sobriety we get we get one second before we have to react. Oh, and so I have forty three seconds before I have to react, <laughs> and it gives me some room. Oh, you <laughs> get a, a lot of room. I, I might still do the same stupid thing I did at one year. But at least I had time to think about it. <laughs> right. right. So the reaction isn't as strong. Yeah. No, I get it. It makes a <laughs> lot of sense. Good. I love that. Father, 
John, thank you. I can't. I can't believe that you came on the show. Yes, I, thank I, you so much. I'm so much. honored. So honored. Thank you. Thanks for, for having me. It's been a privilege. It's. It's. I, I'm hoping that you ask me to come on your show one day. I, I would love to fill in. Sure, and I might even tell you what night of the week it is, so we're there at the same time. I got this doctor. I got Doctor John out of the way. So now that he's out of the way, now you're gonna have to. You're gonna need a guest host once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be happy to. But on a serious note, mm-hmm. I um, I would love to have you in a couple of weeks over on, on Viewpoint. Absolutely. And Dave, I'd like to have you sometime as well. Sure, thank you. And, uh, yeah, you got to go through me. I'm her agent, though. So. <laughs> he is. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should be better represented. <laughs> you know anyone? <laughs> oh, Let's talk no, about your the contract show. says. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're having too much fun here. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you again, uh, Father John, for coming on the show. Thank you, Diva, for thank coming. Thank you so and, much. And, you know, like filling in for all the times you did and now coming on aboard permanently. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy to have you aboard. Yeah, board. you can't so say happy. no to requests yeah. like that. No, no. Um, and if you want to reach us, you can reach us through the Terminally Unique Podcast at gmail.com. You can reach us at the Facebook page of the Terminally Unique Podcast or... Don't ask me that. Okay. Or the, the IG, the Instagram page is terminally underscore unique underscore podcast. No slashes. Too much underscores. No, no dashes. No dashes. Yeah. Call now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I think that's it. So until next week, everybody, we love you out there. I love you. I love you. I, I love, love you. both of you. Yeah, I love, I love all you for three sure. of you. Yes. Everybody in the room, I love. There's so much love here. Yes. There thank is. you so much. Okay, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.